go without tech because that's the way Jesus did it, and that's the way we're going to do it this morning. This morning. Um, I, if you know me at all, it, uh, I, I, I like things to run right, but some things are just out of your control, and um, sometimes you just wonder why things happen the way that they do. Um, you're not really sure why things happen the way that they do, but they do. Um, so when human stuff isn't working, um, you always know that God is working. For instance, I'm here to tell you this morning that over the past two weeks, four people have received Jesus as their Savior. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, I had it at three until a young man talked to me this morning about his salvation experience last week in this room with the other pastor who, who is, you know, the other pastor, who is, of course, Seth. Yeah, so I thought, I thought that was awesome. And, and so, you know... Um, one day, we're going to be somewhere where it's perfect and angels are running tech and, and God is in control of it all. But, you know, it's, it's, um, it's just amazing that in our brokenness and in our lack of control, God is still achieving his vision for the world. And that's redemption. So that's, that's incredible. So with that in mind, turning your Bible to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. And uh, this is a um, series we've been going through in First John. It's called TYMK, that you may know. Um, and so we're, we're in chapter 5, verse 1, and this is what it says. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. I just want to pause here this morning and say... If, if you have never asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins and ask him to be your savior, you need to do that today. I would not wait. I would not wait. Um, the world seems like it's not in order, but there's someone else moving things in a particular direction, and that is, that is the Antichrist, Satan, is moving things in a direction. And he's just waiting for the moment of the rapture of the church so that he can do his one world government. Regardless of that, you could leave here today in your vehicle and go to see Jesus. Go into eternity. You, you could be in the grave. We could be having your funeral this week. We are not guaranteed of tomorrow. And in this scripture, it says everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ, that means he's the Savior, he's the Messiah, he's the one that's come to redeem the world, has been born of God. If you've never had a moment where you've asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins and asked him to be your Savior, you need to have that moment today. Do not leave here without doing it. You can do it right now there in your seat. Make that prayer and just make it a moment where you receive Christ. It is the most important decision that you'll ever make in your life. It goes out into eternity. So if we're in 1 John, we have to talk about salvation because that's what this is really about. So verse 2, By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God 
overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. So you can go to verse 4, everyone who has been born of God overcomes, and you can underline that. The Greek word there is nikeo. It is where we get our word Nike. The company got their word Nike from. It's nikeo. So Nike. Nike, if, if you know anything about them, is all about winning. That is what they promote. That is what they, they, they say. So, if we did have tech this morning, I'd show you these pictures, but I'm just going to read through some of their little sayings, okay? First of all, Nike says, winning never grows old. Yeah. And for everybody that likes to wet in the rib, you know what that beats. Yeah, never grows old. This is a picture of a guy running, like he's running, right? You can't see it. But just picture that guy running. I am the bullet in the chamber, Nike. Isn't that cool? I'm the bullet in the chamber. I'm going to take you out. Start unknown and finish unforgettable. That's, that's great, isn't it? Start unknown and finish unforgettable. Winning. Overcoming. This is on a pink shirt. Okay, it's just a pink shirt I found on Amazon. You'll have to look it up later, okay? It's pink. You have to know it's pink. It says, cute doesn't win games. Yeah. Have any of, any of you ever had your little kids in soccer before? Little kids in soccer, right? And, and you take them out there and they're four and five years old and, and they're just running around and, and you go there for the very first time and... And your kid goes out there and you're talking to the parents and um, they say, uh, yeah, this isn't about keeping score. This is just about having fun. All of the kids, all of the kids in the field are winners. My response to that in my mind, not to that parent was, no, they're not. <laughs> that kid over there is playing with butterflies. That kid over there is just running in circles. He's not even near the ball. And all the kids are just following the ball around the thing. Not all those kids are winners. Not all of them should be playing soccer. I'm just saying. <laughs> cute doesn't win games. And cute doesn't make you a winner. Now, it was cute. It was fun. Doesn't win games. Next. If you think training is hard, try losing. Right? Try losing. And this is a t-shirt that I would love to have, but I'm not going to put it, I'm not, I'm not ever going to have this shirt. It says, my game is sick. Too bad it ain't contagious. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Nike, overcoming, overcoming. And check this out. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. If you have received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, and if you are a Christian, you have overcome the world. You are victorious. You are a winner. And you can't be stopped. You, you can't be stopped. This, he says, for everyone, that's me, that's you, everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. Everyone overcomes comes the world. 
Here's what Jesus says about it. I also have this on a, on a, on a screen too. Um, Jesus says this in John 16, 31. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Now, now what does this mean? What does this mean? Well, I don't know about you, but sometimes it doesn't feel like we're winning. Sometimes it doesn't feel like that we have overcome the world. Sometimes it doesn't feel like that we're on top of things. Sometimes it feels like that we are under it, and we're being suppressed, and we're being pushed down, and we're not getting anywhere in this world. Jesus says this in uh, 1 John 16, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. He says this on the very night that he is going to be betrayed. He says, I'm an, I have overcome the world. But then he knows that in just a few hours, he's going to be betrayed by someone in his own group. He knows that he's going to be taken before the very people that he came to save. The very people that he's supposed to be a king of. They are going to make all kinds of of political and religious accusations against him because they want him gone. And they bring up all these trumped up, not to make a reference, trumped up charges, right, against him. It, it, is, it is just unbelievable what they do. They bring in liars to lie about him. They, they do a bunch of things. And then they take him to Pilate. Pilate can't find anything wrong with him, but they want him crucified. So then Jesus gets beaten. He gets beaten with this whip that has glass in it. But earlier that day, he says, I, I have overcome the world. And now he's on his hands and knees holding onto something. It's either a statue or a piece of wood or something that's there while he's being beaten and his flesh is being ripped out of his back. And it doesn't feel like Jesus is winning at this moment, but he is. He has already conquered, though it doesn't feel like it. And then they take him out there. The people spit upon him. He's trying to carry his, his cross to the hill of Golgotha. He can't hardly make it, but Jesus says, I have already overcome the world. But to Jesus, it didn't feel like it at that moment as he got weaker and weaker and weaker. And then they nail him on the cross, and they raise him. And all kinds of stuff is said about him as they mock him and as he's dying. But he has just said, I have overcome the world, but it really doesn't feel like it. But we know the story, don't we? We know that three days later he arose. And that is when he overcame the world. But is it? Or had he already overcome the world even when he was going through the suffering? The answer to that question is, yes, he was already an overcomer. He had already won even though it did not feel like it. Do you ever feel like it doesn't feel like you're winning? I have a friend of mine um, that uh, he, he, has a, he has a houseboat, 
okay? Um, I've told him this, so I'll tell you this. Um, it's basically a trailer on floats. It's what he has. It's not... It's just a trailer on floats. That, that's what it is. So he, he was uh, going through and, and docking in a place, and that evening a tornado came up. And he was in dock one, and there was a dock two, and a dock three, four, and five. And the tornado came through, and from two and three, it to totally tore up that area, tore up the boats, turned them upside down. All kinds of stuff happened, was happening while he was in his, his little uh, trailer on floats. So he's watching it. Well, the next day, he went and he had breakfast with some of his buddies, and they were talking about it. And uh, he said these words. He said, you know what? Um, last night on this side of it was fun. It would have been a lot funner if I had known that I was going to survive it while it was going on. I could have had a real good time if I knew on the other side I was going to see tomorrow, but I didn't know that. I was scared. It didn't feel like it. But on this side of it, it's a lot of fun to recap that memory and just think about it. I'm glad that my friends, the friends were okay, so don't think he's just insensitive. Friends were okay, because at the end of the day, you can replace boats, but you can't replace people. That's how they, they view that. He also came to learn that that particular area that he was at was called Tornado Alley. So the Dock 2 and 3 had been there before, and this isn't like they hadn't been through a storm like this before. They had been through a storm like this before. The point of that whole illustration is, while you're in the middle of it, it would just be nice to know that you're going to get through it and out on the other side so that you can enjoy it. I'm here to tell you this morning, no matter what you are going through, no matter how suppressing it is, no matter how bad you think it is, no matter how much you think that you are losing, you are not losing. I know what happens on the other side. You have overcome the world. Enjoy your moment. It may feel like it's the most horrible thing you've ever went through. But remember this. You've already won. And you're going to get through it. And it's going to be just fine. Enjoy that moment. You, God, and making it through whatever it is. You have overcome. Come. You see, the world is not just temptation. I've, I've looked at a lot, of, a lot of things on this passage, and it seems like most, most people that preach on it, most people that talk about it, talk about overcoming temptation and overcoming temptation in your life and all that kind of stuff. I'm here to tell you this morning, that is not all that John is talking about. He is talking about the world, not just temptation. He is talking about world forces pressing against you. These people were being persecuted. He is saying that you have overcome. So to kind of make this a little clearer, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 61. Isaiah chapter 61. Isaiah chapter 61. Now, I don't know how much you know about Isaiah, but chapter 61 is in between um, two very great passages of Scripture about Jesus, the Messiah, coming to earth. So in, in chapter 60, it's about Christ's return to earth. In chapter 62, it's about Christ's return to earth. Right here in the middle, though, Isaiah comes into their day and their time, and he has a message for the people that he's writing to. So this is the moment where he is actually talking to the people that he's writing to. And um, 
it, it isn't a future thing that he's talking about Messiah-wise. And this is what he says. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. Strangers shall stand and tend your flocks. Foreigners shall be your plowmen and vine dressers. But you shall be called the priests of the Lord. They shall speak of you as the ministers of our God. You shall eat the wealth of the nations, and in their glory you shall boast. Instead of your shame, there shall be a double portion. Instead of dishonor, they shall rejoice in their lot. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess a double portion. They shall have everlasting joy. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrong. I will faithfully give to them their recompense, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their offspring shall be known among the nations and their descendants in the midst of the people. All who see them shall acknowledge them that they are an offspring the Lord has blessed. So, these people had felt like that they didn't have anything and they were poor. They felt bad about it. They were broken hearted. Have you ever been broken hearted? They, were, they felt like they were captives and they couldn't get, get anywhere. These people did. They felt like they were in prison and bound. They didn't have freedom. But Isaiah says, I've been sent to you to say, you might feel like that, but you're actually overcomers. I have been sent to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Is there anyone here that needs a word from God today that says, look, you feel like you're a captive, but you are free. You have liberty. Is there anyone here that feels like that they are just brokenhearted and you just need to know that God is saying, hey, no, 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 no. You don't need to be brokenhearted. Be a people of joy. Is there anyone here that needs that message? Is there anyone here that's saying, yeah, Philip, but that's in Isaiah 61. If I was listening to this message for the very first time, I'd be saying that. I would be in my little, you know, my little mind thinking, okay, well, that's in Isaiah's day. It's not in my day. It's in someone else's day. Does that really pertain to me? And I would say to you this morning, according to Jesus Christ, it does pertain to you. This is what he says in Luke chapter 4. Verse 18, he quotes this passage of Scripture. 
The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. Does anybody remember that? So then you jump down to verse 20 after he has read the words that I just read to you this morning. And he says this. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. When was Isaiah 61 fulfilled? In the hearing of the people when Jesus read it. This means, ladies and gentlemen, that for all that believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are overcomers and we are victorious. And it doesn't matter how you feel at the moment. Jesus has come to release you from being a captive. He's come to give you freedom. He's come to give you joy instead of mourning. You, you, you are winners not losers. You may feel like a loser, but you're a winner. I need this message. I need it. The things that we hit in this life and you're just wondering how, I cannot believe this just happened. It's at that moment you need to think, but wait a minute. This is nothing. I have overcome this. I am going to approach whatever situation this is in as an overcomer, not as one that's defeated under it. I have a financial... I'm just... This, I'm not telling you I have a financial problem. I'm just... This is part of just preaching. Okay? If you... Here's the way I'll do it. If you are sitting here today saying, Oh man, I've got a financial problem. I don't know how to get through it. I'm here to tell you today, you're an overcomer. You can get through it. Now you might have made some bad decisions. Cause that financial problem to ha happen? You can correct those bad decisions and get through it. You're an overcomer. If there are people that are pushing you down, making fun of you, not wanting to listen to the way that you believe, if you're in an, in an environment that doesn't believe like you believe, know this. You may feel oppressed. You may feel suppressed. But you are an overcomer. Approach it as an overcomer. This helps. People lose their power over you when you realize that you have overcome in the name of Jesus Christ. When you know that whatever oppression is happening is just temporary, there is a God that's coming with vengeance to take care of them anyway. There is a God coming to take care of the wrongs of this world and make them right. When you have that, you step into it a winner. And let me tell you, when you approach your problems as an overcomer instead of someone that's defeated, you come out on the other side a lot quicker and a lot better with a better attitude. We may be, what does Paul say? Pressed, beaten down, discouraged. But we have overcome the world. We have overcome the world. Might not feel like it, but we have overcome the world. So, what do you do? How do you live as an, as an overcomer? Well, number one, you live by faith. 
I know that, I know that, I know, I know, I know. And, and honestly, I, I listen to a lot of sermons, and, and when someone says live by faith, I'm like, oh, I've heard that before. Don't underestimate it. That's what I'm telling you this morning. You live by faith. Check out um, 1 John chapter 5. It says this in verse 4. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Our faith. You live by faith. Do not underestimate that. It is a faith that allows you to rise above. It is a faith that says, God, you are in control of this, and it is temporary. It is a faith that says that. It is a faith that says, I am going to survive this because overcomers overcome and losers lose. Jesus has made me a winner. It is faith that says, I have prayed for relief, but God has not given it currently. But that only means that God hasn't given it to me yet. Come on. Man, I've, I've prayed and prayed and prayed, and God doesn't seem to be giving me any relief. Anytime you go down that line of thinking, you always need to add the three-letter word, yet. God is either going to give you relief in this lifetime or in the lifetime to come. Relief is on its way. God is on your side. You have overcome. Death cannot even defeat me. Because Jesus defeated death, therefore I have defeated death, and death is just the doorway into a better life. That's all it is. Look, I'm, I'm not saying that I'm suicidal when I say this, because it could sound like it, okay? But I'm telling you that I either want Jesus to come back or him to take me home. One of the two. I will serve him as long as he wants me here, but one of the two is going to happen. He's going to take me home through a rapture or he's going to take me home through death. Either way, it's a win-win situation. I will cross a finish line, a winner in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, regardless of what's going on. I went, um, I went disc golfing or frisbee golfing the other day, whichever one you call it. Some people call it disc golf. It's not a disc, it's a frisbee. I've seen disc, that's not it. It's frisbee. Went frisbee golf down here at Yakin, Yakin Park the other day. And um, I was going down a hill and my, this knee right here didn't do too well. In fact, when I, when I went down, down the hill, I was, with, I was with Quinn, I went like this. And what that was letting me, letting me know, like communicating to my brain, was I'm 46 years old. <laughs> right? F 46 years old. Right? So then I kind of slowed down, you know, and kind of, kind of did it. And then uh, as we were doing frisbee golf, they're, they're building some type of soccer field, so they're not really mowing the, the disc course, the frisbee golf area. So there's all these bugs biting me too, right? It was the moment that I wish Nicole had been with me. 
See, some people go to, to Walmart and they buy those little bands or they spray themselves down with, with bug spray. I don't. I just bring Nicole with me. Because when Nicole is with me, the bugs all go to her and leave me alone. We ate out on the, on the porch uh, last night because it was a beautiful, beautiful evening. And we ate our dinner out there. And um, I'm not being bit. Quinn's not being bit. Nicole's being bit. And she had pants on, long, long sleeve shirt, but they still found a way to go up her pants to bite her legs and bite her feet and all that kind of stuff because she obviously is sweeter, right, than, than Quinn and I. Look, this is, this is a truism. She's, she's sweeter than we are, so they, they really like her. Or it's just a bunch of, you know, anyway, we won't go there. But nonetheless, so, so they get them. All that to say, there's coming a day, my knee's not going to tell me I'm 46 years old. I am going to get a body that has overcome this body. I am going to be in a place that has overcome all of this. I just need to live like it. Carrie, I went get my teeth cleaned at this, at this place. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to just... But she cleans teeth, so I went to get my teeth cleaned. And the a doctor, I'd never seen this one before. It was a lady. I'm not against ladies being doctors. Don't. But it was a lady, never seen her before. And she came in with these little bitty things. And they were asking me, um, how long has it been since you've been here? Oh, I come once every three years. Somewhere around there, I, I come once every three years. My other family members come more than I do, but once every three years. Well, why is that? Well, there's a pocketbook thing going on, and we budget, and you don't want to know all that. Well, the doctor opened up my mouth, and she, she like, looked at it for, like, three minutes, four minutes. It was a long period of time. Like, I thought at one point that she was actually trying to clean my teeth. For, I don't know what she was doing. And finally, she says, I cannot find anything wrong with your teeth. Right? She really wanted to make a case for me to come more. <laughs> and I was just sitting there thinking, I have overcome the world. <laughs> but that's it, isn't it? You, no matter how much is looked for for you to lose, no matter how much Satan tries to get at you, no matter how much this world system tries to suppress you and make you a loser, you know that you have overcome. You have overcome. They are not going to find something that plucks you out of Christ's hand, that makes you not a Christian, that makes you a loser instead of a winner. They cannot do it. They can do all types of investigations on you. They can do all types of, of suppression on you. They can say all kinds of stuff to you personally. But they will never find anything that will make you not a believer that will, that will make you not victorious, that will make you someone that is a loser. They cannot do it. You live by faith. It is faith that says suppression and this persecution and this hard time is necessary. Is necessary. I do not know why it's necessary, but by faith I know it's necessary. God has a plan even in this. 
He's going to see me through, and I am going to overcome. So how do you live as an overcomer? You live by faith. Here's two, three, and four, and I'm going to tell them to you real quickly. Love God regardless of your circumstances. Love God regardless of your circumstances. In this passage of Scripture, it tells you, love God. You love the Father. Love Him regardless of the circumstances. He knows what He is doing, and He is not against you. Love Him. By the way, there's far more reasons for God to hate you than to love you. And if He has loved you enough to send His Son on the cross to die for your sins, He still loves you in your, lo- in your little bitty your little bitty suffering moment right now. Everybody with me? Don't give up on Him. Second, third, love God's children when it's tough to do. I have a good, I have an easy time loving God. Sometimes it's, it's his people that gives me trouble. <laughs> right? It's his people. And sometimes God's people are the very people that are suppressing you and that are talking against you. I mean, let's be honest. In a family, there are people that are saying stuff about you that really they don't know anything about, and they're just mean. If we live as an overcomer, we love them anyway. It doesn't mean that we have to have them over to our house. There is boundaries to love. But we love them anyway. We love God's children even when it's tough to do so. Fourth, we keep his commandments. If you notice verse 2, it says, By this we know that we love the children of God. All of them. When we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. We keep his commandments. What are his commandments? Well, we love each other and love him. That sums them all up. But it's also don't steal, lie, murder's bad, right? We keep his commandments. And check this out. And his commandments are not burdensome. They're not burdensome. That's, that's, that's interesting to me. Because rules are sometimes a burden, aren't they? And God has rules for your life. Um, <laughs> recently, we, uh, we dropped Aurora off last weekend at, at Liberty University. We're not going to get into that too much because that's not what the message is about. But Quinn and Aurora were talking to each other, and, and we were about to leave. And, and Quinn says, oh, just in a few moments, you'll be able to do whatever you want. <laughs> and Aurora looked at him and says, oh, no, I won't. Oh, no. See? Because sometimes we think freedom is that. Has anybody ever moved their child into college in this room or somewhere, somewhere over like that? So, so we get to Liberty University, and, and um, we, we have two, two cars that's pretty much packed. And she's staying on the hill, and they have decided to, to upgrade her dormitories. So when you get there and you park, you can't walk like 500 feet. I'm spatially challenged, but let's say 500 feet, a short distance to her dorm. You, you can't do that because it's blocked off. You have to walk all the way around, right? 
all of these dorms and then, and then get to her dorm, right? So there's stuff to carry. So we're loading our stuff, you know, up, and we're, we're carrying our stuff around, right? And we're going down, and we're going all the way around, right? And um, I, I just had this thought. I don't know if I'd do this for many people. I don't, I don't know if I would do this for many people. Like, I could probably list some people I wouldn't do this for. Yeah? Most of them are in political office. I mean, there's just some... That's a joke. There's just some things I just wouldn't, I wouldn't do for people. So why, what makes this not irritating? I love my daughter. We have to get her stuff into her room, and we have to get it set up. We have to go through that whole process. We, we have to carry things a distance, a longer distance than we should, but it was fine. The burden was light because I was doing it for someone that I loved. Here's my point. If living for Jesus and by his commandments is a burden to you, you do not love Jesus. If you love Jesus... His commandments are not burdensome. They are light. They are easy to do. You love him. He loves you. And you don't really think about how hard it is not to do this. How hard it is not to go in this direction. Because you love God. You want to please him. And you're doing it for him. Are you checking with me? It's just light. If you don't love someone, you don't. You don't, you don't do that. So you keep his commandments. So here's the fifth one. Here's the fifth one. Do the best you can every day to be a positive force in this world. Do the best you can every single day, no matter what you're going through, to be a positive force in this world. Isaiah chapter 61 verse 1 says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news. Jesus started his first sermon in the temple saying, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news. God has given us the gospel, which is good news to bring to the world. And everybody that has received the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior has been anointed. Right? We have been anointed. The Spirit of the Lord is upon all of us to bring good news to the world. That is your job. That is my job. Good news. In Isaiah 61, this is what he did. He, he built up, he raised up, he repaired. There's parts of repairing. They rejoiced, they worshipped, they loved people. Isaiah's call was that. You know what your call is today? To get the gospel message out? Yes, the death of Jesus, resurrection. But it's to be a positive force in the world, to build up, to raise up, to repair, to rejoice, to worship. If you want to be an overcomer, that's how you live. You go through life building up, raising up, repairing, because we're still in a sinful world, rejoicing with people and worshiping, 
loving people the way that God loves them. Um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Toby Mac. And um, I, someone in this audience thinks that he watches my sermons every week. Uh, because after I, I, after I preach, Toby on Sunday afternoon posts something that is remarkably similar to what I just preached. Um, Toby, if you are watching, we'd like you to come and maybe sing a couple of songs one Sunday. Okay? So I just wanted to throw that out there. Of course, it is a country church, so the hip-hop might not, might not go so well. Here's a couple of things that he, he does. He believes that he's supposed to be a positive force in this world, and that's, that's what God's his life. That's, he feels like that's a calling from God. So here's a couple of his quotes. Listen, listen closely. Hope is being able to see the light despite all the darkness. That's what hope is. Worry is believing God won't get it right. So repairing, isn't it? That's a whole message. <laughs> Next. Stop trying to make everybody happy. You aren't chocolate. <laughs> Focusing on the negative only makes a difficult journey more difficult. Don't allow what has been done to you to become bigger than what Jesus did for you. There is a blessing in the storm, so sit tight. Sometimes, when things go wrong in your life, you just have to yell, plot twist! Right? And move on. Your hardest times will often lead to the greatest moments of your life. That is so true. God's plan for your life far exceed the circumstances of your day. I'm going to read that one again. God's plan for your life far exceed the circumstances of your day. Wow. And then, that was the picture you were going to see. A little yellow smiley face. Be a positive force. Um, you and I are not anointed by God to be angry at other people. We're just not. God, God did not save your soul so that you could be angry at someone else. God saved you so that you could love people like he loves them. You see, there's, there's a moment that God is coming into the world and he's going to make the, the wrongs right. There's a moment when, when Jesus is going to come in on a white horse and he's going to totally annihilate everybody that decides not to follow him. There's a moment when, when they set up a kingdom and, and they're going to make justice what justice should be and he's going to get rid of all the people who are wicked. 
There's a moment where he comes in in anger, where he comes in and, and takes care of everything, where he comes in and sets things right. That is not your job, and that is not my job. That is not what he called you to do. That is not what he called me to do. We don't even have a sword to match his sword. And if we did, could it really come out of your mouth? Have you read that passage? God needs to take care of justice, and we need to take care of our anointing to love others and point people to Jesus. Our job in all of this is to get the message of love and the gospel out to the world so that they might connect with God, so they might receive Jesus as their Savior, so that they might be a part of the winning team. That's all that we do. We are overcomers and have the power to do that. It is God's job to judge in the terms of punishment. It is our job to show people the love of Christ, act like winners, and point people to Jesus. That's it. That's it. We are not called to be against. We are called to love. And when we love, that doesn't mean that we have to be for the sinfulness of the world. No, 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 no. We are loving because God first loved us and we're showing his love to the world. We are connected to God, showing them the gospel. It's all in how you approach it. Um, I, I look through the, news, the newspapers on, on my device because you can get them all together. What a blessing. God, what a blessing. And there are some days that I punch my app and if I'm five headlines into just negativity, it's gone. I don't need that in my life. I'm not saying I, I want to be blinded to what's happening, but I don't need that in my life. And I'm an overcomer, and my job's totally different. I don't need to be bogged down with, oh my goodness, are they going to get him today? Oh my goodness, this is happening here. Oh my goodness, what are we going to do? Oh my goodness, the world is falling apart. Ladies and gentlemen, the world's got to fall apart. Jesus is coming back to make it right. That's the direction it's heading. If you really want to know who the losers are, it's the people that are making the world fall apart. The winners are the ones trying to get people to see a God that loves them and cares enough to die for them. Those are the winners. And we approach each and every day as overcomers. And we attach ourselves to the, to the job that he's given us and we do it with all our heart. You have been anointed. Go and share the good news with the rest of the world. Amen? So let's pray. Our Heavenly Father.